No intro today, DJ. Send the link. This is a special episode, obviously, because as all of you know, and we know, one of our most uh, beloved sports icons has tragically passed away. So we wanted to have a special remembrance pod for Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant and the other seven people that lost their lives in a tragic helicopter accident this past Sunday. And we just wanted to, you know, talk shop a little bit about Kobe uh, and our experience as a black man. Because I'll say this. And this is my one note that I've noticed. Is this what you were holding back from me? This is what I was holding back. Okay. I've never seen niggas openly weep like this before. I've never seen black <laughs> men in general. Like, that is my overall thematic takeaway Shows you the power. From, from this experience. And not only, you know, Kobe as an individual, but just like it feels like a psychic like identity attack mm. against like black dudes. Because who else is really feeling this pain like that? Because if I think about all the experiences I've had tangentially and personally with Kobe. Oh, wow. Personal experiences. It's like, it's like this figure just in my life. And right. I know how many of us feel that way. About the games we watched, or that time we were talking shit, or about the ephemera of the endless Kobe, LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, like all these little envy puppets, MVP puppets, envy puppets, all these things that just were part of our lives. And as a retired player, you're like, oh man, you're gonna get that that post career Kobe's you know talking mad shit about people, right. giving his little like my favorite thing about the Kobe post career was his his challenge. That thing on Twitter, he's like, I'm challenging you to get triple double. I'm challenging you to, to make the playoffs next year. Right. He was doing that with everybody. And it's just uh, a crazy, surreal experience considering everything that happened leading up to it with passing LeBron and it being the same day as the Grammys and just this weird time. So, Deej, man, what are your thoughts on Cope? Um, I think you encapsulated it pretty well. Um, the The psychic attack. Was 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 a, g- a good way to 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 describe it, um, much like the the squid monster exploding in New York City uh, in Watchmen. <laughs> Everybody's brains are fucked up. Uh, yeah, I still haven't been able to totally process. I go in and out of moments of like uh, grief or sorrow, or just uh, like like dis disbelief about like just how something like that could could tragically happen um, just so suddenly, especially considering the context. As you said, literally the day before, um, Allen Iverson uh, was doing um, the jump with the rest of the NBA uh, uh, crew, and they were chatting about uh, who's better, Kobe or LeBron, because um, that same night LeBron was was meant to uh, pass him in point totals. So he was just been ever present for so long, and for somebody like me, and I think, and I believe, but probably both of us. Um, Basketball is like very important to me, and it's um, been a through line throughout my my literally my entire life. Um, I can remember being uh, a kid, a little kid, and my pops took me to a Michael Jordan game and, and watching him um, shoot free throws like before the game started and everything like that. Uh, up until me hating the hating the Lakers, son. Um, he used to hate Kobe in, in the early, in the early aughts <laughs> yep. because of his flagrant arrogance and um, just because of how good the Lakers were and they beat 
Um, Allen Iverson, my favorite player at the time, after the Jordan era had passed on. We're right here, man. We're right here on this, right, this, yeah. this narrative. <laughs> um, you know, they won that game one. Uh, I, uh, AI put up like what, like 41? 48. You know, 40, 48 game 48. one? God damn, step over. Yeah. Step over game? Yeah, all of that crazy. Um, yeah, but the Lakers went, went on to win the next four games and then and closed out in five. Um, but it, just, it was just such a begrudging inevitability and his just dominance and like just the. Of the sport and of of the basketball culture, which also uh, 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 meshes into hip hop, another thing that's yeah. extremely important to me. He was a rapper. Sound like yeah. like yeah, this like, Tyra Banks going through all of like the archives Crazy. of Kobe Ephemera, like the rap song, yeah. uh, like Shaq just re- like released a little freestyle that they did yeah. just recently. It's just like yo, I kind of forgot about uh, Kobe. Kobe, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Him freestyle at the show. There's like YouTube videos of him freestyle with a couple of other rappers. He was in like a more, uh, what you call it, freestyle fellowship type yeah. of like, <laughs> lyrical miracle spiritual type of rapper. <laughs> um, so it, it just became just like an ingrained thing. Um, and then after his his tribulations with the sexual assault allegations, um, even at, at that age, uh, I didn't fully uh, understand the situation. And it looks like really the media and, and the culture and everyone just just bypassed it um, for better or worse. But what I did recognize after that point is that his mentality changed a bit more. He became a bit more self-centered and driven, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, and that coincided with the, honestly, like the marketing change as well with him, you know, changing his, his number and yeah. starting to call himself the, the Black Mambo and what, what have you. I think that type of relentless mentality or persona that, that he grew into helped um, develop that um, uh, Black Mamba mentality, that that, that 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 world beater type of thing. Like, yeah. like he's just willing to go through whatever to, to accomplish his goal and really uh, go down swinging, really. You right. Know? And he was like a more, just an inefficient Michael Jordan in, in, in a lot of ways. And it was beautiful. And it, yeah, and it was just like, you know what? <laughs> What? Yeah, I'm going to keep shooting. Right. He invented his own, um, you know, stat like the Kobe rebound type <laughs> type thing from from advanced uh, statistics. Kobe assist. Yeah, Kobe assist. My bad. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I was there for for that entire thing, loving basketball a bit more intimately than you, you know your your more passing fan. So, um, but at the same time, he wasn't um, quite my favorite player at any exact one point in time. Yeah. Uh, but he was just always, always there, you know. Um, so to have that taken, and also to know that he was, I, I have friends and family that are part of that Kobe cult yeah. that definitely exists. That I that I still kind of question or don't understand. Maybe it's just like it's a next level. I think it, maybe it's just like a strong man authoritarian type of uh, tendency. <laughs> Need um, a leader, right? And and I mean, and, and it works. You know, it, it's valid for him. But, uh, yeah, I still haven't been able to totally, totally work myself through it. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's partially why I'm just kind of like rambling to a certain degree because uh, it was it was a it was a big thing. And I'm thinking about my own friends and family, my, my relatives, regardless, maybe the fact that they're hurt about this and the fact that their lives, just like my life is, is, is fleeting. and You never know where you can go. So we just always. Yeah, it's sort of the, the, the bring the, everyone together. The, the 
darkness of the sort of nihilistic aspect of life. Like, what is it? What is the point of all this? For something like this to happen, like it is like a a nugget of of like confusion of the purposelessness of these events, and it, it just makes you. Yeah. Concern about you know how am I treating people? How am I living through life? Mm-hmm. Because when I think about all the nuggets of that experience going through life, oh man, Kobe was hearing this like all these weird memories. Like he was never my favorite player. It's the same Allen Iverson sort of like oh he, he's gonna be AI AI's gonna take him. No, they, they, they're too good. I remember I remember the day that like rape thing happened, like the charge Eagle Colorado Eagle Colorado, and I was like what. Kobe Bryant and I was just like and that whole saga like there's so many internal moments with his life that hit culture in different ways this the stupid Adidas boat like space shoot it everyone hated the commercial commercial, you throw the ball between the legs he's jumping from like damn near three point line or something off of a trampoline You, you remember the jump over the car of course, the, the, jump over, the, the, the jump over the car thing. He was in Call of Duty. He was in the Garage Band commercial. They did the <laughs> Tom Cruise joint. Yeah. It's like all these little things that I'm like, I, I, I had forgotten about. The game six when he beat the Suns, I was 16 or 17. I was watching that. I definitely remember that. Yeah, and, and it was like April. And it, I what happened was I was like having a fight with my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> I remember I was at her house and then we were fighting or whatever and I was like, oh, whatever. And I just got mad. I was like, I'm leaving. I'm, I, I'm out. And I came home and I watched that game. I was like, this is the best day ever, yo. <laughs> you, Kobe made the L's. Like, <laughs> because that's when I first really became a Kobe fan was in his like defiant, I'm going to score a billion points era. Right. So um, it's just crazy to see the margins of societal change he was on with the Me Too thing and then the, and the accusation. He apologized for that, which is a a thing when you think about if you read that apology, I forgot where I, I saw this article, but if you read that apology, it's like in the nebulousness of how these things are handled now. Yeah. It's probably one of the most sort of appropriate approaches to any of these like it wasn't a legal thing. The bar the bar is probably pretty low, but, yeah, but yeah, I'm saying it, it was an apology. It was just like this taking, you know, relative responsibility. It was just like this a responsibility taking thing that was odd. He was at the beginning of this the uh the uh, in terms of gay athletes in sports, do you remember that thing? No, I don't. When no. he like got caught saying uh, the f word on, during a game and oh, became okay. a whole scandal, and okay, eventually they came out with the commercial. It was like, it's not, it's hey, you don't call people gay. It's not okay that Jared Dudley was in it, Grant Hill. It <laughs> happened, and I was like, I forgot about that. No, John Amici. No, <laughs> he just walked in and hey, it's me, big John Amici. <laughs> um, we, like all these individual crazy surreal moments leading up to that last game which was I was indulgently Kobe that was the most Kobe shit ever bro it was insane I was on a flight to Coachella um, right when I was in my Coachella phase going going year after year and shout out to JetBlue we'll give the we'll give the the slight advertisement that time but they had live streaming television on the early and there were two games on that night there was I believe that damn near kind of like that play-in game where it was like the two young teams in, from, um, in the Western Conference playing for an a, a, a seed spot. And there was also Lakers versus uh, that the wasn't, Jazz. That wasn't the other game. That wasn't, what was the other game? It was the Warriors supposedly breaking the record. Oh, my bad. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. My bad. My but bad. it got no attention. 
Okay, okay. You're absolutely right. Okay. But I do definitely remember it was Lakers Jazz, right? Correct. And I, 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 there were like several people, and you could just look, look at all the roads, and everybody's watching the game, like literally, of all different types of backgrounds watching it. And everybody is all kind of just jumping up in their seats, and people kind of looking around each other because then everybody's starting to realize that everyone's watching the game, and we're all like, just for one, how fucking like ridiculous this shit is, <laughs> but also just, just, just the full distillation of Kobe at the end of his at, at the end of his career was just a, a, a joy to see and to see him going out on those terms with the W with the what was it sixty points or fifty shots or fifty sixty points or fifty shots right um, and that was the way that he wanted to close out that that chapter of his life so. Um, the I don't want to get too philosophical, but life is the importance of life is because it is terminal at some point. So all that you do from beginning to end gives it its relative significance. Ah, the gift of men, right? This is Lord of the Rings joint, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, this oh, is, no, there's, there's a lot of different. No, there's, 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 there's like a Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> you know, um, it's extremely tragic um and we all wanted him to stay but um at least he was able to give the world um a, a tremendous amount of, of of joy and 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 inspiration um and for me my biggest interpretation of athletes or the way what i try to uh flip it on people is that um we don't idolize or follow athletes just because they're like good at a sport. It's because they're the best at that shit. Yeah. And it's that shit takes work. It takes work. And they're the CEOs of their sport. They're the top whatever you want to call it, the brain surgeons of their sport. I mean or, or of their field. And to see them do their work and to do it so well with such alacrity is inspiring. And if you do it the right way, it's instructive for us all in our own lives. So that's why fucking rappers and everybody refer to athletes because they're the best doing it. They don't refer to the only time you you'll get it is if Lil Wayne say like you'll be missing like the fucking O'Bannons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the O'Bannon brothers that you know they they did good in college, but it wasn't much after that. You know, there are countless Kobe references. Son, like um, obviously you know Chief Keep joined Lil Wayne's own Bard song, and then like even with you know his passing, and then Bad Bunny released a, a song that was yeah. was pretty good. I yeah. mean, I'm going to speak on that like the rap thing because. Um, Erica D. Smith at the Times, assistant metro editor, she sent, she was able to, you know, talk to us, give us a little moment of her time. Mm-hmm. She was connecting what happened, obviously, with the tragedy of Kobe, with the tragedy of Nipsey, uh, just within a year. So it really hit L.A. crazy. So yeah, yeah. it's really tragic to hear. So let's just give Erica a moment to chat with us for a second. All right. Considering your piece, obviously, it was a surreal day Sunday, such a weird day considering it was the Grammys mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're placing this comparison with Nipsey and, and Kobe. Um, what was like your goal getting this across considering there was, you know, tons of stuff coming out in these past couple of days, tons of articles, tons of pieces. Uh, how do you feel like you got that? Um, as far as like the effectiveness of the piece, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think it worked pretty well. I mean, I, I, you know, it's always when you're writing something, it's an opinion piece. It's always a little dicey when you're trying to make, you know, those kinds of comparisons, particularly. And you never really know when writing an opinion piece whether it's actually going to work. Um, in my 
my goal is never to convince everybody that I'm right. It's just more or less to make people think. Um, but, you know, being here in L.A., you know, last year was so much about Nipsey Hussle after he got shot. And, you know, and it's just it was all encompassing of people and the outpouring of support and just the sadness. And after, you know, Kobe, what happened with Kobe, it was, of course, not the same thing, but it was still kind of a lot of the same feeling of like, tragedy and sadness and just kind of shock i mean because i mean when nipsey was shot nobody expected him to get shot either i mean especially in the way that he did on this like very sunny sunday that it had that was like the first warm day of the year and it just was very shocking that that happened and with kobe it was you know nobody ever in a million years would have thought that that is how he would have died much less with his daughter and so you know and on twitter it was there was a lot of people i'd noticed posting on social media kind of comparing the two just because it was too you know, youngish black men and that people looked up to in LA and being in- intimately familiar with the stories about Nipsey Hussle, you know, I couldn't help personally, but draw the comparisons and knowing what was going to happen at the Grammys that night that they were doing a tribute and that I think Kobe and, and Nipsey were cool because, you know, Nipsey was a huge Lakers fan. It didn't really surprise me that they were going to try to incorporate some of the stuff with Kobe into that tribute. Um, and so when it happened, it just made me, it kind of solidified some of the things I've been thinking about all day. And so obviously some people resonated with it um, in that sense. And I think there was the other aspect of it, of just people, just both of them being flawed people. And, you know, this idea of who do you admire and idealize? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to get into that too. Yeah. Like for me, and I wonder if you had perceived this as well. I don't think I've ever seen um, black men openly cry like this. Ever in my history of like yeah. just you know, media culture, like have you perceived that? Have you noticed that? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, it was like, you know, it's it's weird. It's I guess it's one thing if you lose somebody in sports where it's you know they're older and you know they've been sick for a while, or even if they're you know they're younger and you have CTE or from from football or some other sort of like head injury from another sport. But I mean, this was just so just random and just kind of like shocking and you know with somebody who most people in LA and I think this is true around the country it kind of really felt that he had started to come into his own as like more or less like and not to sound patronizing but kind of more of a mature adult who was really like owning himself and finding joy in like his family and other things and and kind of was being the person that it seemed like he wanted to be and, and a good person and so it was kind of it was an extra level of tragedy I think in that and so I think it was just like people were just so shocked they just cried I mean those photos of grainy as they were of LeBron crying I mean I watched the game the night before when LeBron passed his um all-time scoring record and you know I'm originally from Cleveland and so I'm a big LeBron fan and I live in LA and so I I know how much he admired Kobe and it's just like to be in LeBron's shoes and like literally just passing his record and like getting off this plane and finding out, you know, that he died. It's just like, I, I can't even imagine. So, yeah. You, you said, you know, you're Cleveland, you're from Cleveland. I, I Googled you. I did my Googles. You worked in Sacramento okay. yeah. and then all these places like this sort of had ties to Kobe. You come to LA. What has your experience been like just navigating like the idea of his sort of personality, his cult status in LA? Like what was your first initial? Like, wow, this is how people feel about him here. Of LeBron, you know, in LA. No, no, of, of Kobe in of LA Kobe. as someone who's lived all these places, and you get here and you see what it's like. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because it's like, you know, as a kid, I followed Kobe like everybody else did. And I mean, I've always been a Lakers fan, not the biggest Lakers fan, but I've always been a Lakers fan. And so, you know, people, Kobe was just kind of like that guy, you know, the city full of celebrities and, and people who want to be celebrities. And um, he was always around. I mean, and people, he had his, his role. Um, but he wasn't like, it wasn't like his name was in the news every day, like when he was playing. And so, but everybody of course knew who he was, but you know, so it was kind of like this sudden, like everybody knows who Kobe is and nobody's really talked about him, you know, in the time that I've been here to everybody's talking about him and, and everybody's sharing all of their memories of him and the different parts of his life and his history, which brings up, of course, for me and for everybody else, your own personal like connection to where you were when you watched this game or where you were when this happened or whatever. And so it's just been like, it's nuts. And, I, and working at the LA Times, our, our owner um, was uh, Kobe's personal physician for a while. Um, and so we have now a big, I haven't walked outside tonight yet, but it was a big kind of a, a banner sort of kind of, glowing light banner of Kobe with one of his fadeaway jump shots on the side of our building. And like, yeah, I was, I was curious kind of, about the experience there, like at the times when yeah. everything was happening, what was that I like? Mean, it was, well, it was, it was on a Sunday. So a lot of people of course had to come in to do the story because it was just a, you know, typical skeleton weekend staff. And so people came in and it was, I mean, it was chaos to an extent because everybody had, you know, everybody, when you're in a newsroom and you're trying to think of story ideas or well, obviously there's the main thing that's happening, which is the actual, accident and what happened and how's that unfolding but then there's every story around it you know like his history and like you know what you know what did he mean to LA and what were the major themes of his life and so everybody's trying to think of different stories but because it's not one of those things where there's only a handful of people who kind of knew who he was or knew a little bit about him like everybody knows a lot about him so everybody has lots of ideas and so there's a lot of competing and jockeying for like different ideas and what's what's the most important to do first and um, pulling a lot of information of coverage we've had over the years, whether it's photo, we've had a columnist or sports columnist. One of our sports columnists has been basically covered him his entire career. And so there was a lot of columns he had to kind of go back and plumb and kind of figure out which ones are the ones to do. But, you know, then he was crying because, you know, he's known this man for like 20 years. And so it was like a very emotional kind of on top of the, just traditional chaotic experiences because there's the people who have like personal connections to Kobe and then there's the people who, you know, just cared about him as a celebrity or he, his, who he was meant something to them in their lives. So there's different levels of that. And it's been going on, you know, not as intense, of course, as on Sunday, but it's still going on in our newsroom too. And, um, and then there's also the complications of, of women who feel like they don't, you know, they don't necessarily agree with the level of like, you know, praise that he's got and at least not they feel complicated about him i mean that that's definitely part of the conversation in our newsroom just like it is everywhere else in the country too and so people i mean he's a there was lots of things to think about kobe i mean he's a complicated person and so yeah. you can't you know ignore that and people have you know feel all types of way about that and that's understandable you're an editor obviously mm -hmm. a big moment of tragedy you talked about nipsey you talked about kobe navigating these tragic moments like that in journalism, what's your takeaway? How do you feel like this stuff is, is to be handled? And just um, what do you think is the best way to handle these situations going forward, especially considering a, a major figures when they pass? I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think with news, I mean, it's always a little bit, it's, it's tougher these days because everything moves so fast. And so like, you know, where is in the, I mean, I've been in this industry long enough 
that, you know, when you had a breaking news story in the past, it wasn't like you were putting up stuff constantly and some of that stuff ends up being, there was just more time, I guess, so to speak. So, I mean, I think that, I, I think that there, every news story and every tragedy and every person that dies, I like to think that we learn something about how we cover things and that, um, we understand the layers of stuff. And like, you know, I think it's, it's good to have to be in a news organization that has a history in the city and that can put somebody like when somebody like Kobe Bryant suddenly and tragically dies, that you have people who can instantly put that in perspective, not just as a fan, but in in multiple different levels and layers. Um, I think that part of that is also understanding, you know, in this current climate of, you know, me too, frankly, and other other movements that have happened, I think that there's also, as opposed to just trying to put that person into context in LA history, I think there's also a need to kind of like think about different audiences and how other people might perceive what happened. And I think that maybe going forward, one of the lessons that for, for news organizations is to also not just think about the news of it, but also think about what, um, what that person means to people outside of what may just be in front of your face or who you are and to think about other people and audiences. And I think that we've done that. I think other news organizations have done that. I think it just didn't happen necessarily in the first 24 hours. And you can argue about whether that was good or bad or not. But I think that, you know, I think there's room for complexity. And I think sometimes it's easier just to go with the simpler stories up front and then to get to the complexity later. And maybe, maybe that's not the best way to do it. I don't know. I think it's a constantly evolving process. Sounds like a good plan. Thank you, Erica. I appreciate it so much. No worries. Have a good night. Thanks for the opportunity. When I think about what it this means for LA, and then everybody that's been talking about what Kobe meant to them, has really sort of hurt me. We go back to the collective psychic pain. Because seeing Shaq, seeing Jerry West, seeing Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, I had to turn off the the Jerry West interview. Yeah, that shit was one of the most sad things I've ever seen. Uh, I'm not sure if I could endorse other people to watch it because that that is a beyond a grown man, grown man, and, and, and old man. Just completely broken up, uh, but able to uh, uh, express himself, but doing it through through tears, and, and, and it was hard to watch. Yeah, it really was, man. I, it, all every person I feel obviously had some sort of story or experience with Kobe. Can I can I tell you my one real pass with him? Yeah, that, my, that's my, dope. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, and I, I was living in L.A. And at one point, there's a United Way event where he was like the grand marshal of the shit or something. Okay. So I remember seeing him from afar. I was like, oh, man, I really want to see Kobe. I'm going to meet him. And I was like, but I didn't. Then, as I maybe mentioned on this podcast many times, DJ knows this, that I got this internship with the Clippers. So I'm yeah. working with the Clippers. I'm there all the time. And the Lakers are playing the Clippers. So this is the first time. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to meet Kobe. Oh, he's going to be right there. I'm going to be in the locker room. see him. Yo, it's going to be the shit. It's going to be dope. So the whole game goes through. I'm like, at the end of the game, I'll be able to, you know, meet him. And this is when Chris Paul first got traded there, and the Clippers are good for the first time. So they basically whooped the Lakers' ass. So this is Lakers on that little decline. Things are happening. So you go into the locker room at the end of the game, and everyone's waiting to media availability for all the players. So I was like, oh, damn. I got to ask Dwight Howard a question. He's here. Nash, Meta, they were all in there just being like, you know, malaise about the game. And I was like, I'm going to ask Kobe a question. And he never came out the shower. 
because he was too mad. He was like, fuck that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, we're not losing the Clippers. So he just never came out. And then the media just kind of was like, I, I mean, all right, we just. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. And it kind of feels weird in the way that, like, I missed him. You know, weird. But in cosmic the most, in the most quintessential Kobe story. Yeah. Ever. Wow. That, yeah, that hits it right on the nose, man. Um, most people are just not that. Uh, expressively, preternaturally competitive like that. Even these guys that make it up to to the NBA, um, there was just something in him, and through his his experiences that brought him to a different plane of of that type of uh, mentality, Mamba mentality. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's, he, what, he that's what they call it. Because hey, I was not it. on board at first. Not gonna lie. With 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 Kobe, with no the the Mamba mentality Mamba thing, mentality. And, and then like some people have told me that he kind of explains it more in the muse. Like I have to go back and watch all these little things he did to sort of yeah. get a better sense of it. Because when outside, I'm like, oh, you're trying to give yourself a nickname. Like, what's that mean? But now yeah. it's like, oh, he kind of probably explained it in a better, more thorough way. If you know, I was following him in that sense at the time. Yeah, he never he he did always come off uh, self serious, um, but. At the same time, he wouldn't beat you down about most of these things, especially the the pieces that interacted with his public persona and brand, like the whole like Kobe system and all of that type right. of shit. That and was all funny. The Nike, you know, you know what I mean. It was taking his persona and and um, having fun with it. So so even though he had a, he had a serious face on um, throughout uh, his, his 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 activities, he was. Still having fun. The fun for him though was dominating and and, and winning, and then and you know uh, what do you say to the to the who was that Sixers fans and cut your hearts out something like that. So the best nickname for me was uh, slept on Vino. Remember the Vino period? He was a little older, right? <laughs> it's like Vino, just like and he's like second to last season. Remember he was just hitting mad game winners. You just, remember that? Just cause, just you know, I remember. Do you remember? That? I he, do. He had just a bunch of game wins. It was like, yeah, Kobe just. <laughs> Somehow keeping the Lakers uh, slightly treading water, even though they don't have a chance to contend or, or win a championship. I wonder how difficult that was for for him towards the end of his career when they were essentially stealth tanking. Now that was also because he was making like forty million dollars a year. <laughs> but hey, uh, but he earned it. It, it, it and absolutely earned it. You didn't hear much criticism from anybody in LA outside LA from, from pundits or journalists or what have you, because because it, it was clearly earned and and he's earned that franchise so much money um, that. That's the least that they could have done. DJ, do you have any closing thoughts on I, you know, one of the icons of our lives and sports and uh, I mean the sporting world in the past I don't know, twenty or so years? Um, it's just a reminder to appreciate uh, those around you. And those you follow and idolize uh, while they're here. Um, to be honest, I don't. I, I I've been you know upset by his passing and him just not being able to be here and leaving so so tragically and leaving behind um, you know his family and and, and children. Um, that's that's not even to say the passing of his of his daughter and the other seven people in that in that flight. Um, so that is that is the, the 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 part that kills me and kills everyone, obviously. But for me, I've always appreciated Kobe and because as I said like I'm really basketball central to me basketball is my normal place I watch NBA basketball every night that it's on like literally every single night you know what man 
it's, it hasn't been fun. Like it's like the fun for that thing is kind of sucked, yeah, sucked away. I I, I did haven't watched for the past few days, but because of the because of the pain. But I'm just saying that to say that I don't want myself like comparing comparing to anyone, and I'm I could be just bullshitting to a certain degree. But I appreciate this shit. I appreciate the things that I really hold dear, especially like uh, cultural things or, or, or sport, the shit I really do fuck with. Like I really dig in and try to get an understanding of. Um, so I've had a fir- fairly firm uh, understanding and appreciation for, for Kobe Bryant. It didn't take um, his tragic passing for me to uh, somehow become in touch with that. And that's not to say anybody has to do that per se, but if you have something that you really appreciate, uh, uh, show your appreciation, uh, live it out. Um, if that's someone far away from you, you can never really touch like like a Kobe, then that's okay. Um, but but indulge in that. And if it's someone nearby, friends and family, make sure you you just let them know that you love and appreciate and care about them because life can be short and very cruel. And you never know what happens when you walk out that door. That's it. Well said, man. Uh, much love to the the Bryan family and everyone else that passed. And we're just going to just try to keep making podcasts. And once again, I don't know, mob out, I guess, man. It's tragic. Mob out.